Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. The notorious reputations of the world's worst dictators are imprinted upon history. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin and Saddam Hussein are reviled for their ghastly regimes and personal megalomania. Should the name of Xi Jinping be added to the list? That question has come to the fore since President Joe Biden referred to the Chinese leader as a dictator in remarks which are immediately branded a public political provocation by the Chinese. In this podcast, we'll be asking what lies behind Joe Biden's comment, and we'll be scrutinizing the way in which Xi Jinping exercises enormous personal power. I'm pleased to welcome the perfect guest to discuss this topic. Phil Bishop has more than a decade's experience living in and working in China, and he's now based in Washington, DC. He publishes Sinicism, a newsletter about China, which I thoroughly recommend, actually, for its topical and insightful coverage of contemporary Chinese issues. Phil, welcome to China in Context. Thank you for having me. Now, I think it's a good idea to start by placing Mr. Biden's comments in context. He didn't just send out a tweet calling Mr. Xi a dictator, as Donald Trump might have done. He was speaking at a fundraising event in California, and he made some remarks about the alleged Chinese spy balloon, which floated over the United States. Speaking of Xi Jinping, Mr. Biden said that he didn't know it was there. That's a reference to the balloon. He continued, that's the great embarrassment for dictators when they didn't know what happened. So my first question to you is this. What's going on in the mind of the president of the United States? I think that comment was interesting, one, because it was to a private event, sort of a very small group of people who were donors. And I think part of it was trying to explain why the Biden administration after that sort of crazy few days and the weekend of the shoot down of the balloon and sort of the balloon, you know, then the shoot down of like several hobby balloons, sort of the balloon frenzy was to try and explain why actually it wasn't that big a deal. And that, you know, the US, his administration is trying to work sort of on this sort of what they call the back to Bali, this kind of reset of US-China relations to at least put a floor into it. And I see, I think he was trying to sort of give a sort of more folksy explanation of why we should move past the balloon. When he referred to that, I think what he's saying is sort of the common idea that I think when Westerners, especially Americans, you know, look at Xi Jinping, most people will say, well, of course, he's a dictator, right? Because he controls the military. He, you know, wasn't elected in any sort of a Western democratic sense. Um, And so I think it's much easier for sort of a shorthand to, to say that. I think when Biden's other point, though, was he was also trying to say that the balloon wasn't intentional and that the problem is, is that the dictator is supposed to know, be in control of everything, know everything. And yet she didn't know the balloon was going to fly over the U.S. Well, thank you, Bill. That's a very lucid and intriguing reply. Let's talk about how the Chinese reacted to the comment. Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Mao Ning called it irresponsible. She said, it's against the basic facts and diplomatic protocols. It seriously violates China's political dignity, and it amounts to a public political provocation. Now, I'm not surprised that the Chinese side took umbrage at Mr. Biden's comments. What do you make of their response? 
Oh, it's thoroughly predictable and understandable given the way they talk about their system, both inside China as well as uh, externally to the rest of the world. I mean, even in their system, Mao was not a dictator. Mao Zedong was not a dictator. I mean, they talk about, they have democracy, they have um, intra-party democracy. Now, the different term over the last couple of years under Xi has been this idea of whole process democracy, which is they, and, and, and as part of, you know, President Biden has been pushing this idea of sort of, you know, he has the democracy summit, this sort of bifurcation between the democracies and authoritarian countries. The Chinese are very focused both externally in their propaganda and foreign affairs work to say that, you know, no one has a monopoly on how to define a democracy. Democracy is basically how you define it. And we have a democracy. Domestically, inside China, they talk about we have this whole process democracy. And of course, from an American, European, or EU perspective, or sort of UK perspective, it's, well, yeah, they, they tell you who the candidates are, they pick the candidates, then you only get to sort of quote unquote vote for these people. And then a small group of people get to elect Xi Jinping. So therefore, it's not really democracy from any sort of Western liberal democratic perspective. But inside their system, it's very, very important that this is what they believe and what that the story they tell. And so for the US president to say, no, 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 that's all BS, he's a dictator. Of course, it's a, it's very much an affront to the Chinese leadership. But then also, I think another dynamic that is play it is at play is that in this new era, Xi Jinping's new era, one of the key political tenets for anyone in the system is to basically to safeguard or protect the core. The core being Xi Jinping. So any sort of perceived affront against Xi Jinping personally has to be responded to in a very vociferous manner. Well, I want to spend a few minutes talking about this word dictator. How do you define a dictator? It's basically somebody who controls all the key levers of power and is able to make decisions in a effectively um, unrestrained way in terms of no one around him or no other systems or processes inside the government can stop him from making decisions. I think that's a very, uh, a very good answer, actually. Now, many of the guests on this podcast have told me that they see a centralization of power around Xi Jinping uh, since 2012. They say that he's banished critical voices from the upper echelons of government. Do you see elements of uh, what might be described as dictatorship in Xi Jinping then? You can make the argument more convincingly now after the 20th Party Congress last fall. Um, that he has gone beyond the centralization of power to being able to effectively control through personnel appointments, through purges, through investigations, to to control all the levers of the key sources of power in the CPC in the in the PRC system um, with either personally or with his people. You know, it's interesting this question of is she a dictator? Because as I said earlier, from an American perspective, yes. But you see various people who try and dance around the topic. President Biden was like, yeah, he's a dictator, effectively. Uh, yesterday, John Kerry, former Secretary of State, current climate star on the U.S., who's traveling to Beijing this weekend, was asked at a, at a hearing on the Capitol Hill in the U.S. Congress, is she a dictator? And, and he danced like he was in the Bolshoi Ballet, trying to avoid answering the question. Um, and so for whatever reason, I think there's a real sensitivity. And then Michael Bloomberg a few years ago said he's not a dictator on an interview. It's one of those things where I think if, if you're trying to sort of avoid upsetting the Chinese side, 
no, you have to figure out how you say he's not a dictator. If you want to look at the reality of the system and sort of go with sort of a more common sense view of what a dictator is, I mean, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck. What's the expression? You know, it sort of looks like he is. I can understand, though, why John Kerry didn't want to use that word dictator when he was being pressed by politicians on Capitol Hill. Because going back to what the Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson said, she said it's against diplomatic protocols. Yes, and a, and and a political provocation. A diplomatic dialogue yes. Yes. with senior figures within the Chinese Communist Party. You don't want to break diplomatic protocols, do you? No. And so, again, I understand it, but it was just, again, it was, it is an interesting, it's not a simple question and it, it, it's not a, it's, there's not a simple way to answer it if you're trying to have these dialogues with the Chinese side, because and plus, of course, there's always just the fact that dictator is seen as a pejorative, right? Well, you can't have a benevolent dictator. I think I worked for one once. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, let's go on to another comparison here to make with Mao Zedong, Chairman Mao. I've consulted my colleagues at the university, and the consensus is that Xi Jinping is the most powerful man in China since Mao. And if we look back in history, after Mao... China took some steps to try to limit the leader's power, including a more collective approach to leadership, for example, and term limits on the presidency. They seem to have gone now. What do you make of the Xi-Mao comparison? Well, I think in many ways, Xi himself makes that comparison. When he sort of early on in um, in his new era after 2012, is he's effectively divided China, sort of modern China into three eras. There was the Mao era, the sort of the founding of the Communist Party through the Mao era, through 1949, when the PRC was established, up until Mao died, and then a couple years after that. And then there was sort of the reform and opening period, which was Deng Xiaoping and those other guys, right? I mean, he, it's really been this sort of conscious downplaying of the people who came after Mao. And then there's the Xi era, which is called the new era, of course, but it's really the Xi era. And so I think that what we're seeing is a leader who himself believes that he should be on par with, if not actually eventually exceed Mao in the pantheon of the top leadership of the People's Republic of China and and of the Communist Party. Um, I think that what we've seen in terms of how he has gone about consolidating power and really being able to exercise more and more authority over the key sources of power in the system, especially the the sources of hard power, like the military and the security services and the Communist Party's internal sort of secret police disciplinary forces, um, is certainly a sign that I think he is unquestionably more powerful than any leader since Mao. You know, Mao, of course, in his later years, one of the reasons he launched the Cultural Revolution was the sense that he was losing power. And so he was actually trying to effectively use the masses as a way to um, reestablish his position. Um, it Part of it is a longer, much longer answer, but that's a simplified version of part of what's going on. Where she, I think, differs very much from Mao is everything he's done has been to control the masses. He's not at all looking for disorder. He's, he's the, the antithesis of disorder and chaos. He's very much about control, about strengthening the system, about strengthening the sources, the systems and the bureaucracies inside the system that keep him secure and keep the party secure. Um, and in many ways, when you look at the two, 
The other thing that, of course, is very different is the relative power and wealth of the PRC. China is a much richer, much more developed, much more successful, much more military powerful country than it was at any time during the Mao era. And so in some ways, it makes, in many ways, it makes Xi's PRC a much, potentially a much bigger challenge to uh, other major countries in the world than it ever was during the Mao era. Well, look, there's another thing to mention about Chairman Mao, actually, and that is what's being described as the cult of personality. All those people buying Chairman Mao badges and souvenirs and so on. And of course, Andy Warhol, the American artist, made an image of uh, Chairman Mao in the 1960s, which made him look rather cool. <laughs> Do you think there's a, a, a kind of cult of personality around Xi Jinping as well? Um, we, are, we are not where we were with Chairman Mao. We are, though, I think, in a much more personalized leadership than we've had since the Mao era. One of the big questions and one of the tells about where we're headed with sort of this kind of cult of personality is whether or not right now you've got this Xi Jinping thought on you know, a bunch of different things, but basically on, on social and Chinese characteristics for a new era. It's a very long, unwieldy term. There's Xi Jinping thought on diplomacy, on economics, on e whether or not it gets shortened to just Xi Jinping thought, like you had Mao Zedong thought. And if, if he gets, if it goes to just Xi Jinping thought, that will be another marker that this is going in a much more sort of personalized way that we saw under Mao. And that is, I think, something that is a lot of people inside China are really hoping that doesn't happen. Well, Bill, it's been a real honor to speak with you about this topic. That was Bill Bishop of Sinicism on the line from Washington, D.C. This podcast is made by the SOAS China Institute in London, and you can find out more about our courses and research at soas.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here on the China in Context podcast team.